0: The really? Welcome everyone to RB One Colon and Fantasy Football Podcast, part of the Fake Teams Podcast Channel. I am your humble host, constant doubter of Alvin Kamara, and would kindly like you to wear a mask so we can all watch Cam Newton remind the NFL just how good he is. Pete Rogers and I am joined by some of the guys. We have resident old man, the Duck Father, and recovering fan of the no longer worst team name in the NFL, Houston Texans, Clark Barnes, and Captain Woke himself, the ginger, uh, nicely trimmed man, and your favorite team is run by donkeys nick botteford guys how
2: are we doing today doing great pete i don't think the the woke group likes me too much but i'm doing well pete how are you the
0: the woke the woke group turned on you real fast nick (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. yeah um anyway how are you i
0: am good uh good i am recovering from a full day of trash twitter takes uh ranging from comparing covid cases to car crashes. Uh, to saying people were tougher during World War II, people rooting for COVID to take down the NFL season. Uh, And my new favorite take, sports need to go on because the country needs a win slash positive news slash whatever. So you can fuck that all the way to the sun and back. Uh, Yeah, it's been – I'm exhausted. It's been a a big Twitter day.
2: Yeah, I got got a lot of flack from the uh, bitter Washington fan base when we (laughs) – we, we had that exchange on the the Schefter oh post. And, yeah, so Schefter, like, I, think I, mean, I had this is was... fifty people come after
0: me. <laughs> yeah, Schefter. Back when Washington announced that they'll be the Washington football team for the year, Nick was like, "Yeah, this is what what I've and all of us, like all the fake teams, has been calling them the Washington Washington football team for the last two years." An innocuous statement, one would assume, uh, and yet Twitter attacked attacked the Captain Woke Nick. Um, and today, Twitter went absolutely in an uproar because the Marlins are dealing with a full-blown COVID outbreak, and baseball is doing nothing to uh, to stop it or, or to hit the pause on them. So, so, anyways, yeah, a lot of a lot of takes going on out there in the world.
1: I uh, pulled weeds in two gardens and put down a bed of mulch. It was great. You had a much better day than I did. This is mm-hmm. it's days like today where and
0: where I'm just like, I am going, I, at some point in my life, fairly soon would love to just be
1: able to like delete Twitter. It's hard. It's not important. I have, uh, your
0: job is that, but.
1: I have stopped using it a lot. And the only reason I'm on it still is this podcast. Like, I don't know what happened to all the cute dog and cat pictures that I used to get all the time. Now it's just assholes talking out of their assholes about (laughs) asshole stuff. No, don't care.
0: Don't care for it much anymore. I think that's a good motto for Twitter. I think Twitter should adopt that
1: assholes talking about assholes out of their assholes. And like I've muted tons of people to just get the dog and cat pictures. And, and I somehow it's still not working. People
0: still crop up. No, I it's Twitter is a becoming a, a dark place to operate. And it's not a lot of fun when that's uh, 50% of my job. But
1: fortunately We actually have, like, real fantasy football stuff to talk about There is,
0: Yeah, there is news upon news. Uh, So we're going to get to that. Nick has a big old piece dropping on Fake Teams Tuesday, which is today as you're listening to this, his top 100 players for the 2020 fantasy season. So we are going to make our way through that uh, and pick it apart. But first, of course, the news. News that broke this weekend, Seahawks, Blockbuster trade. Uh, Not a lot of fantasy relevance here unless you play in a a defense league or whatever those are called. Uh, IDP. Is that it? Did I just pull it out of my mouth? Nailed it, Pete. Yeah. Yes. God, I'm so good. Uh, Seahawks traded Bradley McDougal, first-round pick and a third-round pick in 2021 and a 2022 first-round pick to the Jets for safety Jamal Adams. Nick, I know you must be feeling good about this since now Pete Carroll can't draft a running back or an off-ball linebacker in the first round for the next two years. (laughs)
2: <laughs> um, yeah, the, the history of shipping away big hulls for defensive players, uh, has really not worked out in, in recent years. And as the nerds say, it's because say is because defense is not sticky. It's a really challenging thing to, uh, being good on defense is a really challenging thing to replicate year over year, even with a, uh, a consistent nucleus. Um, John Schneider's philosophy, he's made it really clear his thing is if you can find someone who is technically worth a first round pick, then trade one or more away to get them because it's better than what you might miss on in the draft. Um, there's like, there's some merit to it. Like, I don't know that that giving up a first for Jimmy Graham in his prime or for Percy Harvin in in his prime is, is a bad thing per se, but those are offensive players. And also you have to then use them correctly, which is sort of the bane of Seattle's existence. But anyway, yeah, the Jamal Adams signing, uh, they'll have a good secondary. They won't have a good pass rush. They might get uh, buoyed by Jamal Adams play and it'll further extend Pete Carroll's almost there, almost there lifestyle. And um yeah, I, I don't know. I mean they'll keep having bad drafts. It'll catch up to them eventually. Just hopefully it's sooner than later.
1: Such positive words from our Resident Seahawks fan. Yeah, Russell Wilson quickly becoming the Andre Johnson of quarterbacks. Thanks, Pete Carroll. I appreciate that.
0: Ooh, I like that. That's
1: perfect. That, that, is, that is a very good
0: comparison. Perfect. That is a very good well done, Clark. Well done there. Well done. I personally am very happy uh, to see Jamal Adams and all of, his, uh, all of his talent leave the AFC
1: East. So I'm here yeah, for this trade. To leave the Jets to go to the Seahawks. Good for him. Like that's regardless deal. of the trade, good for good for old Jamal Adams. I mean, honestly, this is this is a
0: I think this is a win for everyone involved. Uh especially just imagine fact- you work in New Jersey
1: for a dysfunctional <laughs> company, and then you get to go out to the West Coast to some tech company who, yeah, they haven't had any hits in a few years, but the CEO's cool. Like that's nice, you know. That's a win. That's a win.
0: Uh and for the Jets, getting two first round picks for a player who vocalized, you know, was basically like I'm not staying, I want to get out pretty good haul uh, wins all around a win, win, win situation in the words of Michael Scott. Uh, in actual 2020 NFL season news, the NFL and the NFL PA have agreed to no preseason games to start the year. So Clark, does this change how you're approaching fantasy drafts at all? Knowing we won't have games to watch people play nor coaches have games to kind of uh rebalance their depth chart.
1: Well, <laughs> it's kind of a tough question. So like, No, it doesn't change any philosophy or anything, but yes, it's going to change. We miss all of those second halves for rookies that we're trying to keep an eye on and things like that. So now we're just guessing about more stuff. But that's okay. The rules are the same for everyone. Um, It's all a huge guess anyway. So this is just one additional layer of guess. Uh, Yeah, we, we won't have preseason to throw us off, but we won't have preseason to tip us off either. So I'm kind of neutral on it. Preseason... I'm excited for it every year just because it's football, but then about by the third or fourth game, you're kind of, you kind of remember why you don't like the preseason. <laughs> why the preseason is stupid.
2: Yeah. I, preseason, is, it's a grind, um, but I think it's a huge separator uh, in terms of who who grinds and who doesn't. I personally always like to try to draft even before preseason because like by week three or four, Anybody who is who is not worked hard trying to figure out what they're you know who they're gonna target and stuff can just log on to like ESPN and Matthew Berry will just tell them who won the camp battles and that's that. Um it, it takes a lot more work to try to predict that and call that accurately. So I, I like to try to draft earlier. I think it, it rewards hard work. Yeah. Um but this year with no preseason, hey, now we can draft at any point in time. And if you are a grinder, then you have a massive upside. So you know for but all of us it's pretty nice yeah the
1: the worst thing every nfl season for me is just starting to look at adp in like february and march and is being blown away and just knowing that you're gonna have the best team (laughs) fantasy football has ever seen and then august turns around and like everyone in the world is turned on to the like why did we have ty hilton way down there that's stupid and you're like you know you're getting him in the sixth round and all that stuff vanishes. So I like that point, Nick, maybe that won't happen quite so uh, horribly this year.
0: I do know for me personally, I think given just this, how weird this off season is uh, with no preseason with training camps, be like not even starting yet and things having such a delay and they're going, and they're being seemingly or going to be a real barrier for anyone who's switching teams, anyone who's new to teams, that whole nine yards in terms of like getting on the same page uh, in offensive wise, I for me personally I think it's just going to make me I'm going to probably prioritize not drastically but players who've been in a been in a situation for a couple of seasons or us you know I know what I'm getting as opposed to like I think rookies I'm probably going to be uh, especially in redraft leagues obviously rookies I'm going to be a little bit cooler on than maybe I would in a in a normal season cuz like if we came out and through through four preseason games watch Carlos not Carlos Clyde Edwards Hilar, just like ball out you'd be everyone's like okay draft him like he is going to be an rb1 with with kc this year it's like i we don't really know what his role is going to be andy Reid doesn't really do a workhorse back yada 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 so i think it's going to be i'm probably good where i'll see the change or or my the impact that that'll have will be in like not looking at kind of stable players who i know what i'm going to get
1: yeah, I'll touch on that with one of the guys that we talk about later. I think that that can cut both ways. And you know, it's I used to be a risk analyst, so everything is <laughs> everything is a risk assessment and evaluation. Like everyone has value at a certain point. Uh that may be more exaggerated this year and and Pete, I'm with you. I'm kind of tipping the scales towards stable situations, but the unknown can be really rewarding. And after about the third or fourth round, there's always a lot of unknowns anyway. So, I don't know. It it's going to be a fun year to draft.
0: Well, there is some other rookie news. Uh today Justin Jefferson for the Vikings and Keyshawn Vaughn for the Bucks were both placed on their respective COVID IR lists, which doesn't mean that they have tested positive for COVID, but it means that they might have or that they've been in contact with people who have tested positive. Um so something to monitor as we as we move into the NFL season and as you're moving into drafts that again, like ultimately we have not seen like ultimately COVID has not had a super massive impact on players in the sense that in what we've seen nationwide. However, uh, we don't necessarily know the side effects and how long side effects have lasted. We've heard Von Miller talk about it. We've heard Ezekiel Elliott, uh, both of whom have had COVID talk about the kind of residual side effects that they've been dealing with. So again, Hoping for a speedy and full recovery to both of them if they do have COVID, uh, but uh, something to look at as you're approaching drafts. Particularly a bummer for my uh, Keyshawn Vaughn hype train, since uh, there's now reports that Ronald Jones is going to be there starting back in week one. And God damn it, if I'm going to now convince myself to draft Ronald Jones in the late rounds.
2: Yeah, so just what I'll say is tune in here, because I will obsess over the COVID like progress reports. Like, I... I this this now falls under the uh, the injury uh, news. So if anybody's chirping about you know their their lungs being scarred and that kind of thing, I'll I'll try to have that ready.
0: Uh this came out last week, but I want to touch on it briefly. Sean McVay says that the Rams will adopt the 49ers' running back strategy in 2020, uh, basically giving Kyle Shanahan a, a big old hug and saying, "Great job, Kyle. We're going to
1: do it too." What strategy? Starting healthy running backs? <laughs> that was the 49er strategy last year. Well, uh, he says they're going to have an open-minded
0: approach. We're going to be committed to trying oh to have gosh. some balance, and then we'll go to the hot hand whenever it really expresses themselves I, in deserving okay. carries. All right, I, clearly, clearly Clark is going to be drafting everyone in the Rams' back. Sean McVay
1: says he's not going to be stupid this season. Oh, f- that's great, guys. That's great. That's great. You're going to look at your players and decide who's playing the best it's great oh. great
2: news i have more yeah, on the rams think,
1: later actually too
2: yeah so do i so yeah yeah we'll, we'll I'll keep it shut for now <laughs> all Sorry, right please. well i'm
1: not hitting on you but like i know someone wrote that story and someone's editor was like oh this is very good Nikki. that's very good like god it's the off- come on Nikki. make a better I'll article see. next time
0: no, get a real scoop Nick.
1: i didn't mean you like steve there we go. You get a real oh, scoop good work, next Steve. Time. Steve. So Sean McVay says he'll evaluate talent. Oh, this is a burner. <laughs> okay. I think I need to
0: start just throwing in one of these like news bulletins each week just to have Clark go on a rampage.
2: <laughs> it's incredible. So I, I do think that I mean, the point of that is basically he's not going to commit to a, a lead. back. Basically, Cam or Akers is like value is that-
0: values just getting depressed.
2: Yes. Which we'll see foreshadowing
0: to what we'll be talking about here. Uh, All right. Finally in the news, uh, the NFL's top 100 is coming out, which somehow is getting people fired up, even amidst the actual other shit that's going on in the world right now, including Keenan Allen, who was not pleased when he was ranked 77th on the list. He took to Twitter saying that he was the best wide receiver in the AFC West ahead of Tyreek Hill, Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin. Clark, you're our tape grinder
1: on the show. Is he right? Eden Allen is very good. I think he's probably the best route runner out of all of those guys. I wouldn't draft him first, but he'd probably be right behind Mike Evans for me because I don't like to draft people who beat the shit out of
2: their significant others.
0: It's a, a fair rule to have when drafting Clark.
2: Who, who is that? Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Tyreek. Oh, right. Yep. Yep. Um, <laughs> so just to clarify, Pete, did he, um, was he just, was he saying that AFC is a whole?
0: No, he's AFC West.
2: West. AFC West. Okay, okay. I think I, I thought I heard you say Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, and I did say. Lee yeah, Otterman, he did
0: say that. He tweeted that out, yeah. but then also said the AFC West. Okay. So anyway, he's a terrific. Good point. Runner. Good point. I totally took it. I was like, yeah, they're in the AFC West. It's like yeah. nope, I just they're in the end of the south. They're in Tampa Bay. I, That's about as far away from the West as possible.
2: I can't recall who it was. It was either Robert Mays or Kevin Clark on, on uh, an episode of the, the Ringer NFL show like a year or two ago. But they, they, one of them recounted a story of asking Keenan Allen what he thinks about pre-snap. And he thought it was going to be like one or two things. And he rattled off a checklist of like 16 things that he goes through before Damn. every snap. And so, I, I, yeah, I, I think his, his claim, y- you guys are right. It, he might be right, um, unfortunately, you know, the, the chargers have been a team that refuses to look at anything analytically. And so they just get into these passing game scripts, but they, they get into situations where it's, it's hard to run because they know they're going to run and it's hard to pass because they know they're going to pass. Anyway, talk about this a ton. Uh, good for Keenan. Yeah. Uh,
0: possibly hot take. This is a Hill that I've recently started building a house on. I am not sold that Tyreek Hill is like that phenomenal a wide receiver i feel like if you took away or gave Tyreek Hill average or maybe slightly above average nfl speed that it's not he wouldn't be like a surefire top five top 10 wide receiver in the nfl am i wrong well, yeah, am i
1: crazy but he has but he has but he does
0: have it no i understand speed. i understand i understand but like i feel like if you're thinking he's, if you're talking if you're talking good. about like yeah I, I don't i'm not saying that but i'm saying like if you're thinking if you're I guess I I have seen him a lot crop up in these like top five wide receivers in the NFL, and he's in that list. And to me, it's like I don't think he belongs there because I don't think that he is like he's not as good as Julio. Obviously, he's not as good as DeAndre. He's not as good as uh, Devontae. He's not as good as I don't know Amari, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. Well, so if I can play psychologist
1: here, Pete, yeah, please. it's okay to talk about someone as an NFL player and just like that person as a human being. And I think Tyreek Hill is probably about fifth or sixth as far as like top wide receivers in the NFL, because he is so fast and he's strong enough to get open. And unlike a couple of fast guys who've had good seasons, he's done it for two, three years in a row now. And it is, he's not just, he is faster than everyone else in the league and playing with a really ballsy big armed quarterback. And so that is a real tough combo to beat. Mark yeah, doing think, an yeah. excellent job cutting to the
0: core of why <laughs> I can't have Tyree kill in my top five wide receivers. In the NFL.
1: I, I won't argue against you, but, but he's, yeah. he's up there. That's Yeah. That's fair.
2: Yeah. There, there probably is not an argument to be made that he is a top five technician. Um, I think he probably is a top five, just like what he can do as a receiver sure. on the field. Yeah. I think he is top five and I was really reticent. I, that was a Hill that I, I kind of died on, um, I was really reticent, one, you know, from what you uh, mentioned earlier, Clark, he's not a person I wanted to root for, but I was also skeptical about this guy who had like no receiving profile in college, um, suddenly making it, um, in the league. And what he's done is he took his intense, uh, natural ability and he's he's built his game on it and it's like impossible to stop Mahomes well, helps.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Having and the best cool quarterback in the show. NFL Ooh. is like
1: pretty
2: helpful.
0: Yeah. No, I'm glad I didn't finish the house on this hill. I'll just leave the kind of outlines, the abandoned wreckage. <laughs> you got to do you, Pete. Be Thanks, contrarian. Martin. I'll do my best. Um, all right. Well, perfect segue. As the NFL is doing their top 100s, Nick has done his top 100s. Um, and so we are going to dive into that. And like I said, check fake teams. We're not going to list every single player that's in Nick's. We're just going to kind of bounce from groups of 10 and talk about players who interest us and and things we want Nick to defend with his life and soul if you want the whole top 100 players for 2020 fantasy football make sure to go check fake teams uh today Tuesday when you're listening to this we will get to that but first a quick ad break I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here is in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media
1: and entertainment
2: Determination
1: is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines
2: are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
0: All right, we are back. And cue the trumpets. It is time for the top 100 players of 2020 fantasy football as given to you by Nicholas Botterford.com. Nick, do you have any words of wisdom or, or general themes or things that you want to touch on before we delve into this?
2: Sure. Um, first off, l- looking at the list now, I already have changes that I want to make. <laughs> I was thinking of things earlier, like today after I sent this out, I was like, oh man, I got to tinker with this and that. Um, uh, there was even, anyway, there was one oversight that I hope you guys just didn't even notice. There's um, always
1: one. I left Julio Jones out of my
2: ranks one year's. Oh my God! Just totally okay. forgot yeah. <laughs> that he existed. I yeah. That, um, this that's that's like I think that's almost as bad as Heath two years ago starting his rankings with uh, Kareem Hunt as the RB forty-two. <laughs> um, but any, anyway, um, I think the thing to understand, and I take you know I, I talk all the, the dudes that established to run are brilliant, and the way that they do their ADPs is. They, they put guys in a position where their drafters will take a player. And so I might not necessarily think that a certain player is uh, like the, the 10th running back 10th, best running back in the league or whatever. But if I think that for fantasy purposes, he's going to produce in that regard, I'm going to put him ahead of his ADP. So, so folks get them. So just, you know, while you're viewing, keep that in mind.
0: Are these PPR standard or half point PPR?
2: I had half point. Uh, in mine, i figured we just split the baby and um yeah go half point
0: dibs the top half of the baby i want the cute face not the butt that poops have fun with that clark
1: <laughs> one thing i'll say is thank you for putting together the, the list nick uh people that consume this stuff and critique this stuff uh it's a hell of a lot easier to look at someone's list and pick it apart and say where you think that they're wrong than it is to put one together uh, I usually do this and have just been woefully behind. I got to like 25 this year, so Nick really <laughs> stepped up to to give us his top 100. And uh, lists like this and conversations like this should spark thoughts for how you're going to handle your draft. Uh, not make you mad that somebody didn't rank your guy higher. Uh, so if you disagree, tweet us and uh, tell us why. That'd, that'd be Amen. Nice. Amen. Yeah, Clark, thanks, why don't Clark.
0: you start? Us, let's let's start one to ten. Hit us up. We're going to start right at the top, Clark. Where are we? Where do you want to lead the discussion to begin with?
1: So I want to start with uh, an overall trend that I'm seeing this year, and that's the return to running back, just like absolutely dominating, dominating the first round, and and that's for good reason, right? Uh, running backs had a really good year last year. The only really dominant wide receiver performance we had was Michael Thomas, and we had a lot of running backs perform. Uh, at the higher end of what we expected from guys who could have been workhorse back. So that's all we remember. That's fresh in our minds. The guy I want to talk about specifically that makes that point is a guy that's kind of at my tear break. And Nick has Miles Sanders at number six. So Miles Sanders looks like the only guy in town in Philadelphia. He is super quick uh, and had a couple of really good games last year to close out the season. So there's good reason to think that he's going to be a workhorse back he can catch, he can do everything. The Eagles are an explosive offense, uh, but that's when I start to see enough warts in the running backs to uh, to split and go to wide receiver. So Miles Sanders is more Alvin Kamara size than he is Ezekiel Elliott size. Doug, uh, Doug Marone said last year, or showed last year that he would, or Doug Peterson showed last year that he would rather play a boring running back like Jordan Howard over Miles Sanders. And maybe that's just because Sanders was a rookie, but it seems like really creative play callers don't really necessarily want the most athletic person to be there running back. Uh, even if that seems like the right decision to us, it might not turn out to be that way. So Sanders could be an absolute league winner, or he, he could do about what he did last year. Since he played all 16 games, he finished as the RB 16, but those are a lot of like counting stats kind of accumulations. He had about four or five good games. You would have been really proud of to start. So, so that's kind of my tier break. That's kind of what I think about Miles Sanders. Pete, what say you?
0: Yeah, I this is, I mean, I think that and Nick, it was good that you gave us this kind of preface at the at the forefront of this. Miles Sanders to me is a guy who I think has exactly where you have him, RB6 potential and and maybe even slightly above. And, but looking at when I first looked at it, I was like, God, that feels rich for Miles Sanders. And there are question marks around the Eagles and Devonta Freeman is still out there. He just got a new agent and you know, like, you know, Doug Peterson is just dying to go out and sign him and just shut down and crush everyone's hopes and dreams about what Miles Sanders could be as a workhorse in this backfield. Um, But yeah, I don't like, I, I I totally buy into the Miles Sanders hype, but I couldn't help myself looking at this and being like, "Oof, God, that is a little rich. So Nick, clearly, clearly you, I know you said you were drafting kind of where you think that they could ultimately finish, but you, you think that that the RB six spot for Miles Sanders is, is worth it.
2: Well, yeah. And so it, it really comes down to the context of what is available to us. And as I've, I've said before on the show, the wide receiver position is outrageously deep. We're, we're talking, you know, my, my favorite guy to draft is is Will Fuller, and if I'm getting him, who I think can be a wide receiver one this year in the sixth round, I'm going to punt that position as far down the board. Now, conversely, the running back position is super shallow. Like, it really falls off a, a cliff into this shaky running back two territory and then into an area that is like – I there are a lot of guys that I just don't even want on my team, I don't want Le'Veon Bell on my team. I don't want Leonard Fournette on my team. Um, what I see with Miles Sanders, uh, and I, I talked about, you know, this of, of course is uh, the the sh- short football strength of schedule metrics have them facing the ninth softest slate of run defenses, the tenth softest slate of pat- pass defenses, and the big thing that they have um, different with their offense is they now have four capable deep threats. Okay, um, Goodwin, uh, Deshaun Jackson, Hightower, and Jalen Rager. This is uh, just an aspect of the offense where that that they haven't had in the Wentz era, and defenses have been able to just crowd the line and and stop all the short to intermediate stuff. So I think that overall playing a very easy uh, schedule-wise or defense-wise an easy schedule with guys who can actually stretch the field is going to change the makeup of what happens around the line of scrimmage quite a bit. Um and I think, depending on who you read, there are a lot of different opinions about what it is Doug Peterson wants. Does he want a committee or does he actually want a bell cow? And by bell cow, as I stated in the piece, it, we're looking for a guy who is getting over 18 touches a game, probably in the 18 to 22. and I and from what I read, from what I hear, and this is sort of like, well I think this reporter's smart, and I think this reporter's dumb kind of a thing, is what Peterson wants is is a a workhorse back that he puts out there and he doesn't have to worry about what they can and can't do. Like when, uh, I, well, I guess it's, it's, I'm just, I have images. It's what was the Marco Murray. Was he chip Kelly when they just had him running stretches? So, I mean, I just have that locked in, in my mind, but, um, anyway, I think that he, the, the, the offense itself is going to look a lot different and I do believe that Peterson wants a guy that they can have out there as a workhorse and, the Devontae Freeman thing, I mean, maybe they sign him. I, I don't know. I, I've been so down on I have no idea if they're going to. It
0: just terrifies me when there's a running back on the free agent market that, like, it feels like everyone's like, well, the Eagles could use a running back. And it's like, no, God, That's please fair. let Miles
2: Sanders be Miles Sanders. The tough thing is, like, are people saying that because they think Peterson wants a committee or because they think that they need someone? Because I'm really high on Boston Scott. Boston Scott is in my top 100. He's, he's like, a, I don't even want to see so i get you no. Know, he's not a poor man's version of sanders he's a very similar back to sanders and to me it it's like if they can run sanders out there for 20 touches and give scott eight to ten and it doesn't change the look of their offense at all this seems like a dream scenario for me anyway yeah no that's down
0: but uh, no that's a that's a good it's a good pitch for miles sanders being a being a top almost top five running back this year and that's where you should be drafting him. Uh, all right, for the 11 to 20 section since Jordan's not here, I will I will take this and start us off in a conversation. Nick, you have Adam Thielen as the wide receiver 6, just as you ranked at your 19th spot. And I feel like I again, like the Miles Sanders thing, I commend you on the Cajones for putting him this high because you're absolutely right that Adam Thielen is now the surefire only guy Stefan Diggs is is obviously no longer in Minnesota and we've seen Thielen put up top fantasy numbers before in Minnesota I feel like there is this this and it's not a wrong assumption but but people are very put off by the fact that they feel like Minnesota is like they only want to run the football they want to run the football they want to keep the ball out of Kirk Cousins hands similar to kind of how we, I feel like people feel about the 49ers but if you look if you I don't see that that is necessarily true. And you certainly don't feel like that's quite as true either, since you've got Adam Thielen as a, as a top 10 wide receiver this year.
1: Oh, I love this. The, yeah, the Vikings do want to run the ball in the zone play action scheme. You run it over and over and over. So you can run the exact same play except do play action. And then you have a really fast guy running down the field and you hit for a 75 yard touchdown. That's something I've been watching for a long time following the Texans and Shanahan in Denver before that, and little Shanahan now in San Francisco. But what San Francisco lacks is just a competent wide receiver. The four healthy games that we had from Emmanuel Sanders last year showed us what just a good player in that system, even with a mediocre but dreamy quarterback can do. And Nick, uh, not Nick Foles, what's his name? The quarterback in Minnesota. Yeah, Kirk Cousins is good enough to do play action and hit that wide receiver deep. Uh, Thielen is fast. He's a very capable wide receiver, and there was always seemingly conflict, at least for shares of the passing game, between Diggs and Thielen. I don't think Diggs leaving hurts Thielen because those are long developing routes where you just have to outrun the corner, and he can do that. So I really like this rank. And yeah, Minnesota is boring because they do two things, but one of them is throw to their ex receiver. And this is this is full on Gary Kubiak this this season. Gary Kubiak is this is his offense bread and
0: butter. There's no more. Uh, Mike, not Mike, Steven Stefanski. What's his first name? Kevin. Kevin. Kevin Stefanski. He's not there anymore. So it's, this is full Gary uh, Gary Kubiak.
2: Yeah. Thanks guys. So I, I'm, I'm pretty pumped about feeling what we like to see is, is heavy usage. And sometimes even in low volume passing offenses, we can still find diamonds in the rough. A guy, I think, uh compares well to Adam Thielen is Doug Baldwin in his prime, where the Seattle passing tree was really small, but Baldwin was just gobbling up targets with Diggs gone and then sort of replacing him with Justin Jefferson, who is basically like you know, he's similar to an early career Thielen. He's a slot receiving uh, or dynamo. And Thielen is the guy now who can kind of do it all. Diggs was their expert downfield guy, and Thielen is more than capable capable of getting downfield. So, what I see is D- Diggs leaves behind 94 targets. I don't think Justin Jefferson is going to eat all of those. And the fact that he just ended up on the COVID list, you know, that's another red flag. Uh, and he doesn't necessarily have it, but he's been in contact with somebody. Um, but anyway, point being, we've seen Adam Thielen get a ton of targets. And when he does, he's like top five wide receiver. Um, I think he's going to get a ton of targets. And I think that where he will be kicked out of the slot by Justin Jefferson, if Justin Jefferson is playing, uh, he will be doing it. He will get out of the slot to go play on the outside and go deep in the Stephon Diggs role. And so, okay. It'd be one thing if, if we, he was being kicked outside of the slot to go do like short field work. But what I think is going to happen is he's going to go from being in a high leverage situation in the slot to a high leverage situation of getting really, uh, uh, far downfield targets, which is also awesome. So I just see this as kind of a can't lose situation. He did have his big injured season uh, last year. We shouldn't forget he was destroying box scores while he was healthy. He pulled his hamstring and he came back too early and he was out for the whole season. I have a very difficult time believing he would ever do something like that again. Um, So, yeah, I, I just, I see this dude as there are only a handful of guys who have a serious shot at getting 10 targets per game. You know, hundred and thirty targets per game is a, or uh, per season is a lot. Uh to get into that hundred and fifty, hundred and sixty mark is, is, is special. And I think that he he might be able to do it this year.
0: Uh before we go to the third before we go to the twenty one through thirty group, uh Nick, are you at all worried that a large portion of that ninety-five targets that Stefan Diggs left is gonna get eaten by uh Kyle Rudolph?
2: Not at all. Uh I think Er Smith edges <laughs> Rudolph out. Uh, More than anything else, I don't know if that was a real question. I think both the tight ends averaged like forty some targets last year, and I think it was pretty split last year. Yeah, yeah, I think they'll probably keep something like that in line. I'm, I don't think Rudolph has a whole lot left in the tank, and his contract is is one of those we'll pay you now, and we so we can cut you at any time. Um, I that being said, I think Herb Smith could end up being the number two receiver on the team, like target wise. Yeah, Um, so that was
1: a shot at me. Thanks, Pete. Okay, (laughs) and. uh, Those, those 95 targets, I think, are largely going to go away. Uh, they're going to run the ball more. I think that we had that many targets for Diggs because he was just so talented sure. that you don't want to waste a person like that. But what we've seen out of Shanahan and Kubiak and little Shanahan now is there's an X-wide receiver and there's a really competent pass-catching tight end, and then your running back just dominates absolutely everything. So maybe the 95 won't go away, but I wouldn't be surprised if Minnesota had 50, 55 fewer passing attempts yeah. this year. That's, that's fair.
0: All right. So the 21 through 30 segment, and this is like, you've, you've alluded to this many times, Nick, that stack all your running backs early, wait for the receivers because there's so many. And this is kind of, this is the first big chunk of receivers that you've got here. This has Juju smith schuster who you've got wide receiver eight, Calvin Ridley, wide receiver nine, Allen Robinson, wide receiver 10, Kenny Galladay, 11, DJ Moore, 12, Odell Beckham, 13, and Deandre Hopkins, 14. And those are all right in a row. We've talked on this show before about reservations of DeAndre Hopkins' transition, uh, both learning a new offense, and we've seen it in the past that wide receivers, big name wide receivers who've made the change, don't necessarily doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be super stud uh, fantasy wide receivers. But you seem especially low on DeAndre Hopkins, having him wide receiver fourteen this year.
2: Yeah, uh, the the evidence to support the narrative that. Uh, it's very difficult for a receiver to change teams in the same offseason and then go perform uh, in the next season. It is seemingly there? I think that there are exceptions, and uh, I, I think that that's one of those things that's still developing. Similar to the like pass rush versus pass coverage kind of a thing. But um, the system that this team wants to run is for why? I mean, not not every play, but they want to lead the league with that. So we're looking at. Christian Kirk. We're looking at Larry Fitzgerald. I'm not high on Larry Fitzgerald, but he's still going to get a lot more work than most third receivers would on a team. I think, as far as the fourth receiver goes, they got a ton of different guys that they can plug in there. But I, you know, Hopkins is going to be competing with an established uh, wide receiver duo. They this team is a very good rushing team. I think that they they will run the ball a lot, and I think that that they will throw to their running back a lot, similar to what. Clark was saying, with the Dalvin Cook situation or the Minnesota situation overall. Um, and just given how awesome everyone else's situations are in that group ahead of him, I just don't feel bad putting him at the the back end of that tier.
1: So full disclosure, I own one NFL jersey, and it is a DeAndre Hopkins jersey. So take everything I'm about to say with a, with a big old <laughs> grain of salt. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is still my wide receiver two this year he I've, I've done my top 25 and he's in there I, he is he is amazing uh half, half of his good plays get called back for holding and then you never see him because the texans aren't good uh and kyler murray showed enough last year for us to believe like he's good and the cardinals suck and they're gonna be behind a lot and, and even if not he has no problems just throwing the ball to the receiver that's supposed to get the ball You see him make some pretty bad decisions, but he's throwing it to guys like Larry Fitzgerald who make it work. And I think that DeAndre Hopkins could make it work too. It's the unknown. I have to be fair here and say a lot of good wide receivers that have gone to other teams haven't really performed well, but I'd also make the argument is it feels like a lot of those good wide receivers are kind of diva wide receivers, which is kind of the antithesis of what DeAndre Hopkins has been for his entire career. So I think he moves into like absolute dominant number one status there, but, uh, you got to rank guys where you think they're going to go. So give you the, give you the A for effort of putting Hopkins in essentially a do not draft position. Clark, take us into uh, 30 through 40. So there are a lot of, there are a lot of really good guys here and uh, I'm kind of, I don't know. I always seem to be on the other side of what folks are thinking of doing. Uh, you know, I went, <laughs> went RB heavy last year when everybody was doing zero RB and everybody's saying RB, uh, heavy early this year and i feel like it's a great year to wait on running back but uh you know there's guys like in this range of melvin gordon and uh you know i don't know how he's not a great running back one for you he may be competing with uh what's his face down there thank you uh but they paid him a lot of money they're gonna run they have a second year quarterback i i feel like melvin gordon's gonna get a ton of volume that's what you're betting on but the guy i actually want to talk about someone we haven't talked about a lot is T.Y. Hilton, who missed a bunch of time last year, and I think that's why no one remembers him, because he's not on that first page of wide receivers when you look at last year's scorecard. Uh, I think Phillip Rivers is a much better quarterback today than Jacoby Brissett was last year. Frank Reich, missing T.Y. Hilton all year and with Jacoby Brissett as his quarterback, still had the Colts as number 16 in the league in scoring offense. And so imagine what he could do with a competent quarterback. I don't think Phillip Rivers is great, but I think he's He's pretty good, and I think the Chargers are going to see that this year, and I think we're going to see that in Indy. T.Y. Hilton is going this late. Uh, I just did a Dynasty startup a little while ago, and people have forgotten about him. T.Y. Hilton's a very good wide receiver, and uh, we have seen zero trouble with Phillip Rivers focusing on one or two guys in the offense. There's just nobody else there. There's a couple of young guys who might step up, but Hilton is an absolute stud wide receiver, and he's going way too late. Yeah, he's a that's a,
0: that's a, he's a great one, Clark, because he he falls under that like has was part injured last year, was playing in an offense that people aren't really looking at or paying attention to, and so I think he has a perfect spot where he you have him as a wide receiver too, Nick, and I think he could be a wide receiver one or certainly at least flirt with that uh, on a consistent regular basis, and you're getting him wide receiver seventeen, like that's that's huge value there in my book.
2: Yeah. So, uh, you you said he his his yeah. Or yeah, I, I got him as wide well as was seventeen. Yeah. uh he would have been lower on my list had uh, Roto World not retweeted uh, the offensive coordinator Nick Sirianni's comments, citing uh, or stating that they wanted him to get back to his twenty eighteen form in twenty eighteen. Uh, this is from the piece. He had one hundred and twenty targets, caught seventy six of them, twelve hundred seventy yards, and six touchdowns. Uh, that that's their ideal for what he can do. If we compare the rosters, um, you know, they were hunting with Ryan Grant, Chester Rogers, Rogers, and, and Ebron as their pass catching group. I think it's stronger this year. I think Paris Campbell is is, is going to break out this year. I think, uh, Michael Pittman is a fine rookie. Um, I still think though that the the 120 target range is reasonable for him, which is why I like him as a mid tier wide receiver too. I don't think that he's going to clear that uh like next. I mean one twenty one twenty is good. Um I and mean, he's just he's just been banged up. I, and and at, frankly the 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 injuries have, were what initially made me want to put him lower, but the fact that the the coaching staff has endorsed him as you know they want him to be the head and shoulders above the group uh target guy um but still only being in that 120 range um yeah i i like him as a receiver too
1: but this is the so so this year with everybody going so hot and heavy on running backs early uh ty hilton is in a great position to be your third pass catcher and to you just build an absolutely dominant squad except for running back and you just have to bet on things becoming available and no position has more opportunity come available every year than running back so that's
2: fair Yeah, And that's actually
0: a perfect segue, Clark, because as we move into the 41 through 50 section of Nick's thing, there are two, three, excuse me, three running backs at the top of this, who I feel like are guys who Nick has as RB twos, but all have in my book, at least RB one potential. And if I went heavy at wide receiver or I went, you know, RB to start and then wide receiver, wide receiver, tight end. And these guys are sitting there in like the fourth or fifth round. I wouldn't be mad taking them as the RB two. So Nick, my question to you is: You've got Mark Ingram RB seventeen at the top, uh, Todd Gurley RB eighteen, Chris Carson RB nineteen. Which of those three do you see as the guy who you think has the biggest potential to to kind of outplay where you currently have them?
2: I mean, they, they all have their issues. So, so the thing to to note here is that I'm like a full round behind ADP uh, on at least one of these guys, and more. Uh, in another case, so I, I think for me, it, it, it's probably the, the guy that I want is Mark Ingram, just because I like the system. But I do think Dobbins will be at his, nipping at his at his heels. Uh, Gurley, I don't trust to be healthy for a full season, and Carson, you know, he's he's been real banged up. He's supposed to be healthy to start the year, but he has had fumbling issues. Um, so this is a group I just don't think I'll end up getting because I think I'm going to be drafting receivers here.
1: With this group, where uh, this is where the warts for the running backs really start to come up and one with Mark Ingram, the only wart is uh, the guy playing behind him. And that's why, you know, it, my favorite out of this group, uh, even if he takes a huge step back from last year, he's still a solid player. And this is the range. I think you, you look at each year where you want to pick two or three guys from this range and just hope that one of them works out and don't get committed to Todd Gurley playing 10 snaps and we're playing the what if game, if that's what it turns out to be, look, look to move him. To the guy who just can't let him go, but this is a solid group of running backs here. All right, let's get into
0: now the this bottom 50 for, for Nick, and we'll try to kind of rattle through these a little quickly. Uh Clark, I know this was Jordan 51 to 60, but you wanna you want to take the lead on this section?
1: Yes. I have to unmute everything first. <laughs> uh 41 to 50. Oh no, 50 to 51, 50 to 59. 51 to 60. Yes, yeah, sorry. Oh, uh sorry guys, David Johnson uh jumped out to me here he's another one of the uh, i hate to pound the strategy that i'm probably going to go with this year but this is the type of running back that i want to get as my running back too and hope to hit on someone with my fab budget for my killer flex that i pick up late in the year uh bill o'brien does some really weird stuff but one of the things that he seems to like to do is give the ball to the less athletic running back and just pound him up the middle like 300 times a year and it looks like it's going to be david johnson doing that this year uh even though David Johnson can catch the ball and, you know, hopefully Deshaun Watson will just decide that he's going to run the offense his way and pass to David Johnson a little bit. But I think Johnson's a huge value this year. Uh, he is extremely boring. He is like Carlos Hyde for the past two years. He's going to be well overlooked, but he's. I think he's going to be a solid performer where, you know, he's going to start and you're going to feel comfortable week six, rolling David Johnson out there as your RB two.
0: He's another guy who I, who I like. I agree with you, Clark, as like if I end up with him as my r b two there's risk, but there's also uh enough upside there that I'm willing to because I've waited on r b and because i've got I've stacked at receiver, but Nick, clearly, we know that that's not your motto,
2: yeah, I just don't think this is a very good team fit for David Johnson, uh like you were saying, Clark, Bill O'Brien wants to run him north south and that's just never been something that he was good at now with like multiple back injuries. Uh, and I got two of those going on right now. And I just, I don't know how anyone ever gets through these things. Um, but again, he, he is such a talented receiver. I have not seen one Bill O'Brien really utilize his uh, running backs through the passing game and uh, you know, scrambling quarterbacks also tend to, to take away the, uh, the dump off opportunities by bolting. Um, but ultimately the, the guys that I'm going to be trying to take that are going to actually at like at this ADP are guys like AJ Green, Terry McLaurin, uh, Juju incredibly, you know, fantasy football calculator for whatever that's worth or, or Hollywood Brown. Um, so this will just be, Hey, it's great if we're in the same league, cause you can have them.
0: <laughs> uh, 61 through 70, Nick, you're, you, I have given you one spot to, to go wild with. And to, to start our conversation. And I picked this because i just randomly decided that in the middle of it roughly it should be where you go. So what do you got for sixty to sixty to seventy or sixty-one to seventy?
2: Well, I I guess I other I than other than more
0: Deontay Johnson praise.
2: Yeah, we won't go there. <laughs> um the the so it here's the tough thing. I think I uh I don't think Raheem Moster. Raheem Mostert is is the guy to draft. I, you know, his his his, uh, his ADP is just flying up lists now. Um, Kyle Shanahan loves this. Loves Tevin Coleman. He loves Tevin Coleman. Jeff Wilson has been on this roster for years. Reports are coming out that Jarek McKinnon's ACL is is fully recovered and that his knee is going really well. He wants to do a committee. I just don't see Raheem Mostert or what? How Raheem uh handling a full real workload and again it's the shanahan offense and if you get 12 carries in it then that's real valuable but adp wise he's going in like the fourth round fifth round um i've got him down here in the doldrums of like the seventh round because i just don't think that drafting a guy who may be the lead back in a platoon is worthy of you know taking over uh James Conner or Calvin Ridley. I, there's just no way I'm going anywhere near that. I don't know about you guys and and if you have any thoughts on AJ Green, please because that's the other guy that I just he's really interesting to me. So take take either one of those two.
0: Raheem Mostert, I 100% agree with you that I I am just in the exact same way that Sean McVay has set this Rams backfield up to play the hot hand. <laughs> I, I, uh, I'd like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not touching. I'm not touching a 49ers back except for Tevin Coleman, because I do think that Tevin Coleman routinely always gets work no matter what. And he's going so much later that the value is there. Um, you're right. The remoster is just rocketing up draft boards and getting way too expensive for me. Uh, I love AJ green and I will love AJ green to my dying days.
1: Yeah. AJ green's hurt me a lot in the past couple of years. And I try not to bring that into, carry that over into the next season because that's just bad analysis and you're just setting yourself up for failure when you do that Uh, but real analysis is the Bengals are bad and they have been really bad they really earned that number one draft pick and it is easy to get excited about rookie quarterbacks but it is so rare for them to really do well there's exceptions but i don't want to bet my fantasy season on it, especially not even at this part of the draft which i wouldn't wouldn't argue too hard against any sixth or seventh round pick. I mean, ADP is going to look so stupid two weeks into the season. If you like someone, you should take yeah. them. But I'm just, I'm just not going to have any A.J. Green on my team this year. And I'm excited for the running backs in uh, San Francisco, but it's turning into a for different reasons, a bit of a New England backfield situation where I want to take the cheaper guy that I feel like the coach likes better. And that's, that's obviously Tevin Coleman. And you just saved me talking about him for the next group of players. I also love that you have Leonard Fournette so far down in your ranks, Nick. Good job. <laughs> You're definitely, I Leonard agree. Fournette
0: For everyone at home, uh, ranked 68, RB 27, according to Nick. And I think, yeah. do, we, do we have a beer bet? No, we don't have a beer bet on Leonard Fournette. Or do we have? We might have one and I don't have it tracked, but I think I did sure last
2: that,
0: year. Do we have one last year?
2: Yeah, yeah. I was super high on him because Filippo was in town. Yeah, and yeah. He yeah. just chucks it to running backs on the first day. He had 100 targets last year. Leonard Fournette's <laughs> target
1: load is, I mean, it's going to decrease, but
0: damn, that thing was incredible to witness.
1: Yeah. You have, by
2: you like have
0: Deshaun 80.
1: Jackson here. 62 also. I'm going to start Deshaun Jackson every game. He's healthy. The Eagles still have no wide receivers. I, I mean, I don't think so. They, they have some guys that may prove some things this year, but every game that, Deon, that Deshaun Jackson plays, he's, he's in. Clark, take us into the uh, 71 to 80 range. Yeah. So there are a lot of running backs that I'd love to take shots at here. And uh, we, we talked about Sean McVay earlier. Uh, <laughs> I don't believe what he's saying for one second. Uh, I think that he didn't like any of his running backs last year and showed that Uh, I think that he runs a really simplified offense because he has a quarterback that can't handle running a simple offense and whispers into his ear until there's 15 seconds left on the play clock. So I don't think he's going to have any problems telling this incredibly hyper athletic second round draft pick that they took, Hey, you're running left off tackle this play, get out there and be somebody. So I would love to take a shot on a guy like Cam Akers (laughs) in this spot. I think he's flying a little bit under the radar and it may take a couple of weeks for this to work out, but we've seen Malcolm Brown. He's a little bit less than fine. They don't have much else on the roster. This committee stuff is just, that's just making it so that when you start your rookie, you can say, well, I'll give everybody a a fair shot. Uh, I think this is Cam Akers job to win and I love taking him late.
2: So had there been a preseason, I would be ranking Akers ahead. Uh, And he's going by ADP, according to Fantasy Football Calculator, at at half-point PBR. He's going around uh, around, uh, pick number 80. The thing is, though, I think that they're going to try to keep Goff upright. And Malcolm Brown is the dude who has produced, not well, but more than the other backs that are going to be in that running back's room. Uh, Darrell Henderson, they might change up their blocking scheme. He did not fit the McVay system last year. Uh, we loved him. You know, he is uh, similar to uh, Acres Athletic Freak. Although I have to say, Cam Acres' ten-yard split, which is like the speed metric that I like to use for straight-line speed, he's he ran. I, I think I have it in the piece. He ran like a one-four-seven. Uh, Chris Johnson was a one-four-three, and Tyree Hill is a one-five-zero. So, like his speed is on a different kind of level. So. You know, yeah, what, what you were saying, Clark, they may just say, let's try to get a small hole open for him and he just blows through it. And he very well could do that. I, I don't remember what I wrote up fully uh, here. But it was probably something like he could take over midseason kind of a thing. Um, but to start the year, I just think Malcolm Brown's going to be the one who's getting the, like the 12 to 15 touches. And having him here, I'm probably not going to draft him, but I think he's probably the guy who starts with the the, the job.
1: All right, we're
0: almost wrapping things up. We're moving into the 81-90 range and this is where you kind of start having obviously way back and let's see if I quickly I can bring it up way back in the just about the 50 range. You had your first two quarterbacks going, Patrick Mahomes going at 48, Lamar Jackson going at 49. And then all the way down in the 80s, we have your then your top four quarterbacks going after that, Dak Prescott, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Deshaun Jackson. I don't Deshaun Watson. Did I say Deshaun Jackson? Yeah. Uh, I don't hate that order. We've talked a lot about Dak Prescott. We've talked a lot about Kyler Murray. We all know what Deshaun Watson is. Defend to me the fact that Josh Allen, I know he has a rushing floor, and that's a big plus, and we know that he's got now weapons with Stephon Diggs, and John Brown is great. Uh, Cole Beasley worked really well in that offense. Defend to me that Josh Allen should go ahead of. Kyler Murray, I can understand. Deshaun Watson seems dubious talk to me nick
2: yeah so i do think that this is a pick your poison situation but josh allen is the he's taken over uh cam newton's role in the nfl as best goal line back he's converted it's something like eight of ten attempts within this two yard line um his rushing floor is is legit. It, like this guy, you can pretty much bank him for erase or for adding a touchdown with his legs every week. And by that I mean just forty yards a week, kind of a thing. And he will. Pro- he's got a very good chance of finding the end zone too. The thing that he is not good at is throwing downfield because he just has this cannon <laughs> that he just blasts downfield and it's Aaron. So what did I do the, I love the I love the quarterback in. defense. He can run,
0: but the one thing he's bad at is throwing the football.
2: <laughs> He's, he's fine in the short to intermediate area, but he is a bad downfield thrower. And so what they did was they went out and they got last year's most efficient downfield receiver in Stephon Diggs. So now what they're rolling out there is a combo of, of Stephon Diggs and John Brown. That is making your life easy on a quarterback. Like when you when you know, it's, it's similar to uh, what McVeigh does with Goff, where Goff can't there's certain shit that, that Goff can't do, and McVay does it for him. There's certain stuff that Josh Allen is showing he can't really do That's throw down field, even though he can throw it 60 yards. So they bring in Stephon Diggs. I, uh, I just really like what this guy can do. And, and if he throws a pick six, there's, unless you're in a league that, that penalizes pick sixes, there's like nothing better for a quarterback than throwing an early pick six because they just go in like, all right, I'm rushing or I'm chucking bombs.
1: This is a, a perennial blind spot for me when I uh, just don't like a player and don't think that he's good. Uh, but all of the arguments you made for Josh Allen aren't saying that he's good. You're saying that he is a good fantasy quarterback. And, and if, you're in a, if you're in a league that gives you four points per passing touchdown – an extra 40 yards rushing is a touchdown that gives you a huge advantage over other quarterbacks. And fantasy football isn't about whose team has the best players on it. It's about scoring the most points. So I think the hype on Josh Allen is getting way out of hand. If he was like the quarterback 12 or 13, I feel like I'd be on board of being like, I know you don't like the guy, but, but he does put up fantasy points a la Tim Tebow. But man, this is just I've had such a hard time with everyone deciding that Josh Allen is the next coming of Lamar Jackson, which I feel is insulting to Lamar Jackson, because Lamar Jackson's actually good at playing quarterback and not just a huge rushing guy. I think I'm torn. I'm of like three or four different minds on Josh Allen. <laughs> Clark's getting
0: multiple split personality over over Josh Allen. Uh, all right. And let's wrap up your top 100. And the guy who I just have started to fall in love with in the tail end of drafts, and you have him here at 92, wide receiver number 43, Golden Tate. I feel like not only do people overlook Golden Tate just as a, as a human being, uh, but also, like Clark loves to point out, players who missed time or who you know were injured or for Golden Tate was suspended, he was out for the first four games. Because of that large chunk of missed time, they're not going to show up in when you are doing. They're not going to show up when you're doing looking at first pages of, of stats and how things went for the season. Golden Tate. When you take the time that he was actually healthy on the Giants, he was one of like super productive. And I I have a hard time thinking like is it crazy that I am going to say Golden Tate? Like I think he leads the Giants in targets without much effort. I don't see who's really challenging. I think Darius Slayton is going to take a good step, but golden Tate to me seems like the wide receiver one in this offense. And everyone is pretty hyped that Daniel Jones is suddenly going to become a viable, you know, quarterback. And so where's that, where is he throwing the ball if it's not golden Tate? So I, I'm starting to like in all of my drafts, take golden Tate in like the 10th, 11th round as a flex option, who really has, I think in my book, like solid wide receiver two potential.
2: Yeah, I'm not going to draft Golden Tate terribly high just because I I actually do think it's a fairly crowded receiver room there. Uh, Evan Ingram, you know, he counts Uh, Slayton, Sterling Shepard and Tate. I I love Tate from his time in Seattle. He is a beast after the catch. Um, I I don't think that he's, you know, Clark likes to say at a certain point in the draft, I'm not going to tell you not to draft your guy. Like there's just, there's going to be a time when like, yeah, if you like him in the late rounds, then go, go take him. And I, I think that, that he kind of falls into that category for me.
1: Yeah. I think everything you said is true, except for the, I, I, this is one of the times where, or one of the many, many times where I'm glad I'm not on social media. <laughs> Who's saying Daniel Jones? going to be really good that's funny <laughs> I like simple, the general
0: the general just, vibe certainly from a fantasy standpoint <laughs> is because they, they again they like they like his rushing floor and they think that he's going to take another step in the offense so if he's going to take a step who is he passing to
2: he was his, good his, for a, oh go ahead his schedule opens up in week six just just so just keep your eye on that
1: he, he was good for a few games when they gave him rollouts and ride receivers you know sweeping across the field with him uh i don't know I don't agree Golden, with it. Golden Tate credited. is oh, Golden incredibly talented. I think, he, yeah. he, I think he's absolutely the best wide receiver on that team. I think he's been the most talented wide receiver on many of his teams, and he's just a little guy, and so he kind of gets disrespected for that. Uh, one thing I certainly see from your list, Nick, here, if, if this holds even close to what ADP is, is it's quarterback time for me. Because I look at this like 15 guys here, yeah, just I don't want any of that. And that's that's about the time that I'll take a quarterback and just kind of punt and then we start taking guys like Madison and high upside backups or or other rookies who have a chance to to really impress.
2: Unfortunately, this is me taking a stance on uh drafting quarterbacks late cuz these guys are long gone.
1: Oh, I mean Not not necessarily these guys, like any quarterback. Like I would take Matt Ryan here, who's probably going late, or Philip well, maybe
2: not Philip Rivers, but like no, there's a
1: ton of guys though. Like you could you could bet upside on Baker.
2: You could go with yeah, I mean don't leave your draft without Teddy Bridgewater.
1: Just but just just general
2: draft strategy. Yeah,
1: when when
2: you're looking at the board and
1: think, I I don't like any of these people, that's general that's a good time to take your quarterback. (laughs) Yeah. Nope. I totally agree.
2: Only honorable mention I have to throw out there. Draft Damian Williams, not Clyde.
0: Mm, yeah. I think I saw something, and I want to do a deep dive into this. Andy Reid doesn't have the biggest track record of giving backs like 200-plus carries. The only time it was like, and especially rookies. I mean, I think Jamal Charles had it like once. And Brian Westbrook oh. came in and, and
1: like... Jamal I think there's just scored every time he touched the ball. That's why he didn't get any chances. <laughs>
2: it's i mean it's so so but at the end of the day the running back group is going to put up points like everybody like williams and clyde are going to do that and clyde has had no time to observe this play. i mean he's he's reading the playbook but he like yeah the chiefs uh, run a complicated playbook right there's a lot of movement a
0: lot of action a lot of pre-snap stuff
2: Mahomes' decision to not get his knee repaired is a pretty big deal he's at a significantly high uh risk of re-injury and I just like Damian Williams just destroys people on wheel routes and anyway I I just don't think he's going away I think he's getting 12 to 15 touches a game and he's going super late I like him a lot more this is
1: this is an avoid backfield even though there is so much potential here Edwards Hilaire is going way too high if if I can get Williams in the sixth or seventh round even though I was 100% out on him last year sixth or seventh round for the guy who's probably going to start for kc i would i would love that yeah yeah i i'm with you i'm take the cheaper guy
0: same thing same thing with uh, San Francisco Uh, All right, so make sure you go to Fake Teams it's gonna be this is gonna be live Nick's full top 100 list Uh, and so we just touched on a couple names here and there but you can see the whole list for yourself make sure you subscribe to the Fake Teams podcast wherever you get your podcasts iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher that's how you'll not only get us the RB1 podcast but also our fantasy baseball and basketball podcast for however long baseball and basketball uh, occur make sure to follow us on Twitter at RB1 podcast you can follow myself at PM rogers follow clark at nfl clark and nick at ginger underscore underscore nick without a k make sure you take note of that so that when you have beef with any of his top 100 rankings you can at the shit
1: out of him you can have a constructive conversation with him in <laughs> and just
0: shout vulgar words and tell him why he's wrong
1: <laughs> until next week wait what do i normally say
0: Peace.